Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back to the Addiction Connection. <laughs> I just want to I usually say, let you start, but I thought I'm just going to... 99 bottles of perfume on the wall. Yeah. This is episode 99. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of stuff with buprenorphine lately. We got in kind of a rut. Why is that a rut? I, well, because I had We're all these things... We're saving people with buprenorphine. I know, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm turning them all into a, a Project Echo talk. Um, so if you ever want to get in up. on like an actual thing where you can watch us... Do this live over 40 minutes. Please email kstangle, S-T-A-N-G-L, at stratushealth.org. It's S-T-R-A-T-I-S-H-E-A-L-T-H.org. Otherwise, you can always email us at theaddictionconnectionpodcast at gmail. And we've been getting some emails, which is interesting. One from Ooh, Maine, which was very good. We can't wait to talk to you, Dan, in Maine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wish we could talk to you in person, but I feel like we're kind of becoming Glennon Doyle. She's like my spirit animal with what? Untamed and the We Can Do Hard Things podcast. I've never heard of I'm it. I'm giving her a shout out so she can give us a shout out, but they do no clue fan messages in. And so we're going to talk to Dan a couple of weeks, a couple ago, weeks with Dr. Charlie Resnick. I talked about how I looked at the top 15 addiction podcasts. <laughs> we weren't in it. Then. Which is why we need Glennon Doyle to like us. Yeah. So now I'm actually Abby doing, Wambach is her wife. Oh, I'm doing therapy. Do you know who she is? Uh, I have no idea. Okay, that she probably related hurt to Serena. Abby Wambach is like the most amazing women's soccer player of all time. And her wife has a podcast? And her wife is Glennon Doyle, who wrote the book Untamed and does the podcast We Can Do Hard Things. Abby is on it with sister. Oh my gosh, where Oh my that? God, I've never heard of that. So, <sighs> yeah. For all the women out there, y'all I'm, can send hate mail to Kurt or I'm send living, messages to We Can Do Hard Things podcast at Glennon and Abby a, and sister and let them know that they should listen to us talk. I live in a bubble and I heat with wood. They don't drink alcohol because they're all in recovery. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Good yeah. for them. There's a podcast on it. But you would know that if you got out of your bubble. Okay. And knew how to run a podcast. So today, <laughs> ignoring Heather completely, we are going to talk about an interesting thing. <laughs> Nothing related to anything yeah. I have been talking about. I actually about. got a phone call about this and this is what kind of got me down this rabbit hole. Was, was this, it a phone call or was it like a stone tablet telegram? <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a guy ride up on a horse and gave me this. Uh, and it was a, a question about the, the ceiling effect of, of bup, right, of buprenorphine. And, you know, I think we all know that the buprenorphine has a ceiling effect, but really what does that mean? I mean, what, everybody still asks about respiratory depression and all these things. And I found this article um, in the clinical pharmacology about the clinical pharmacology of buprenorphine. That was published before, like, I was 11 and a half. Yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> deep in my practice. I was 11 and In 1994 half. in May. I had um, just gotten into double digits. <laughs> but it's all about uh, ceiling effects at high doses. And this was actually an experiment, in a way, done by Walsh et al. Um, and so it's it's really stunning. And, and Dr. Bell here can't stop laughing, but... So here's what they did. It was really pretty cool. So I, you know, I do like this because people always ask, "Well, what does that mean?" And yeah. that's like a reality. And so I love yeah. that this is still. Is pertinent. it true? I mean, everybody's like, "Can you overdose on buprenorphine?" That's always the question. Well, was it a month or so ago? And we did the podcast yep. on um, 
If you mix it with stuff. No, but we did the podcast on the buprenorphine mono product yep. that I talked about versus Suboxone and how people are always fearing, well, could you overdose? And it's fewer than 2% of anybody who uses a buprenorphine overdoses. So few that, and that's like over a 10-year period yeah. that they can't even break it down into what kind. But you so. know, the biggest risks probably are with bup and alcohol. Or Those are the things we worry about. Or and all that. So, yep. so why, why can't you is the ceiling effect. Can so. I get back to this? Yes, I'm, but I wanted to okay. just... Go back. I don't really want to. But anyway, so they took I wanted to bring the data. What if someone's listening to this before that one? So you should go back and listen to episode 96. We're really not about data here. Um, So they took 16 uh, healthy males who had a Why were they male? Because (laughs) they wanted superior (laughs) beings. No, no, seriously, that's a joke. This was the study in 94. Okay, (laughs) I'm just kidding. they, uh, They took 16 healthy males with opioid history but not currently using. So they had been in recovery for some time. And so what's in abstinence based abstinence based. Okay. And what they did is they wanted to be the first study to kind of demonstrate this whole ceiling effect of bup, right? Hmm. So, so what they did is they were, they were giving patients single doses of buprenorphine. Okay. A week apart. So, so they didn't give it to them like every day of the week. They just gave it like every Sunday they got a dose. Correct. Okay. So for instance, I don't think most labs in universities are open on Sunday. So I'm well, guessing it might have been Monday. But so let's say for instance. I just wanted to clarify that it wasn't like Monday through Sunday they got this dose. And then the next week they went up. No, I, I think what I said Monday. was pretty clear. Just so, clarifying for those driving and only half paying attention. Yeah. So the first day, they, uh, the first time they did it, the first week, they gave them a dose, which was a, apparently a placebo because they got zero milligrams of bup. And then they went to I one milligram. Want, 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 a week want, later, they yeah. went to one. A week later, the two, then four, eight, 16, and then a dose of 32 milligrams a week from the time they got 16. It's so interesting to me. They went from zero, yeah. one, two, and then jumped all the way to 32 within like a month. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, and basically they just kept doubling the dose every week, just one dose, to see what the effect would be. Can I just ask oh, yeah. a question that you might not know the answer oh to? My gosh. And it, it, the reason I'm asking it now is because it's going to pertain to the next thing you're about to say um, with the. I wish you had more experience. Equivalence. No, but had they mentioned how long these people had been in recovery? They did not. Okay, because I think based on what you're about to say, like, had they been just into recovery like they literally had just gotten through withdrawal because then their tolerance would have been higher i'm just trying to bring in the tolerance effect let's just say it was 61 days and four hours no i don't know how long it was no but i think that's important yeah don't and make it, fun of me for it, asking it didn't an intelligent really, question well, i wouldn't make fun of you but yeah they didn't really say so interestingly what they found was that at 32 milligrams and they didn't find this this is actually the calculated well yeah I'm, I'm sorry let me just back up so so what they did at first was just for everyone's sake out in the audience and for Dr. Bell, who seems to be a little confused here. 32, <laughs> 32, Wait, wrong one. Yeah, there. no, that wasn't it. 32 milligrams of buprenorphine would be equivalent to giving somebody Ooh. 530 milligrams of morphine. You might want to repeat that. I might have hit the wrong one. Yeah, button. 530 milligrams of morphine or... Is equivalent to 32 milligrams of buprenorphine. Correct. Okay. Or a thousand and sixty of methadone in a one-time dose, and we're talking from a morphine equivalent standpoint, right? Which is why, an aside, we don't calculate buprenorphine into the morphine equivalent total daily dose. But then. remember, it's a partial agonist. Now, right. these which is doses, why they did this study. You know, let me talk or no? No. So these doses of morphine and methadone in a person who was not having, who did not have tolerance, would be typically fatal. 
Okay. Um, Typically. I, I think like 10% of those doses would be fatal, yeah, even so, in a person with some tolerance. Yeah. And so here's what happened. Um, the buprenorphine was amazingly well tolerated, even at these high doses in patients without tolerance. So they had clearly been abstinent for quite some time. Yeah. So they're saying these are patients without tolerance. And there was actually no significant changes in their respiratory depression. So their respirations remained the same, despite the fact that they were given these humongous doses of buprenorphine. So I think often patients, you know, we've had people call us and say, well, geez, I ended up giving them this much, you know, on the third day. They were having such horrible cravings. And it's like, is that going to be a problem? And we always say, no, that's going to be a problem. And you can give a non-tolerant patient, potentially, I wouldn't do it, but the studies have shown, and they, these people were very closely monitored, that they didn't get respiratory depression. So I just want to be a little bit of a devil's advocate, of course, is that, you know, we have obviously, this This is saying that they didn't have any respiratory depression or overdose potential related to these doses. This is not saying they didn't have any other effects, like they didn't have any of the euphoria, you know, because I do want to point out that, you know, we've even yeah. said this in, in talks and whatever, that if I were to take 32 milligrams of buprenorphine right now as a completely opioid tolerant person forever. Intolerant. I Thank you. The person who's not taken opioids in like ever and I might feel a little yeah. euphoric, yeah. but the point of it is, is and we know I'm not misuse. going to have respiratory depression with that. Yep. Typically, and typically, well, right. And that's the data that goes back to a few weeks ago on the podcast where, you know, it's such a few rare patient that would, this is fascinating to yeah. me. And you know, this is a study done in 1994. This isn't something you want to try at home or in your office, but it just tells us that there is a significant safety in giving doses that are fairly significant when they are not mixed with benzos or, or alcohol. Right. This was straight healthy people on just taking this as part of the study. Yep. I, I do love this because I think. Well, I usually patient, come up with some pretty good stuff. No, I pulled the article for you. <laughs> yes, um, you did. I, I just, I just want to like really point that out because I think we get asked this question a lot in addiction world and when we're teaching and it's like, you know, when you put it into the Epic or whatever and you get a morphine equivalent and it's like this is astronomically high and people freak out or people who don't do addiction and they see this and they maybe look at the well, prescription drug monitoring program and they see it and they're like, well, you're like, think but about it, this. It's different. Think about this. There's there's a lot of times people that are unfamiliar with buprenorphine and they're afraid to give it an ER because it might cause like respiratory depression right. or some problem. And the reality is, I've had patients go to the ER and get a whole bunch of Dilaudid or right, whatever, exactly. and they should be worrying about that and not the buprenorphine. Well, and that's, I'm not so. trying to like make light of and joke no. about this. I think that this is, this is huge. And I think for people who are really trying to do this and do the right thing for their patients and really get their patients on this. And, you know, we all get that kickback from people. We all get the whole stigma. We all get that. And you're going to hear that from your ER. You're going to hear that from people in the hospital that don't know it or people who just don't understand it, if they look at a one-to-one -one ratio, yeah, the morphine equivalents are high, and so they're going to think you're, like, crazy. But this right here shows the safety of it. Yeah, and here's the one kind of take-home. Uh, I've gotten a lot of calls over the last few years, and I'm sure you have too, uh, where somebody calls and says, I have a patient who's having horrible cravings. Uh, they've been off their the heroin or the fentanyl for three months 
but they've decided they want to be on buprenorphine. Mm, this is a good point. Yeah. And they're like, well, do I need to start them horribly low to not have side effects from it or respiratory depression or whatever? And I've always said, well, you know, I mean, I, I tend to start a little low, but I get it up pretty quickly and get rid of their cravings and try right. and protect them. Right? right. So I'm not afraid to get up to, you know, eight or 12, or- yeah, eight or 12 milligrams in a few days and 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 f- you could honestly go to eight milligrams a day right away, and you would not typically have respiratory depression. Exactly. So that's, and, I think, one take home. Yeah, and I think this is, I'm glad you brought that up because that is huge. And I think we've had this question from people, both during our echoes as well as during this podcast, is what do you do about the person who's not actively using that you're wanting to get starting on buprenorphine? So we are going to get there. We are going to have a podcast about dosing strategies and all of that and you know this will this obviously this whole topic will come back but mm. i'm glad you brought that up yeah it's interesting so that's all i've got and we've put in hey you 12 know it's minutes. Okay. this was supposed to be a short one this is a bonus one yeah because we need to hit 100 uh next week yep next week 100th episode 100th episode so thank you so much everyone for listening we've we kind of broke the thirty thousand download thing of Gosh, a while back and on, we've had a lot of downloads and, and I, and to us, it's really about uh, people getting educated, people taking care of this patient group that I think we feel very strongly about taking care of. So thank you so much for everyone. Yeah. And please reach out. I gave you the emails at the beginning. Otherwise we'll let Casey take over and we'll chat at you next week. Mm-hmm.